0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. In her book, Purity and Danger, the distinguished British anthropologist who all her life was a very devout and practicing Roman Catholic, working in a field in which that was somewhat of an anomaly, she actually taught at Northwestern, actually close to home before going back to Oxford by way of Princeton, in her book, Purity and Danger, Mary Douglas writes, and I quote, Danger lies in transitional states. Simply because transition is neither one state nor the next, it is undefinable. The person who must pass from one to another is himself in danger and emanates danger to others. The danger is controlled by a ritual which precisely separates him from his old status, segregates him for a time, and then publicly declares his entry to his new status. End quote. Born in a manger, King Jesus has languished in obscurity. And in that penumbra between shadow and light, far away from the spotlight of history and the glare of power, Jesus is safe. Angels bring the news to those they trust, the poorest and most powerless class, the shepherds, nobodies that nobody wants to be. But the news stays with them. Now it starts to change, and this change is a sea change. Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. This is news to Herod, and not good news. Why? Herod is king of the Jews. Now there is another Herod. How do powerful people deal with those who claim their power? Well, we know, but they have to find them first. Herod is in a fog. All the familiar boundaries are gone. There is no up or down. He is terrified. Maybe the verses of the prophet echo in his ears. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. The Gentiles have come. They know when and when is now. Now they want to know where. Herod turns to his own people to find that out, and they tell him where, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah. And so Herod, this terrified puppet of the empire, plays his part in salvation history. Arming them with the knowledge they need, he sends the Magi on their way. And when you have found him, Bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. Although the way from Jerusalem to Bethlehem is only a few miles on the highway, the way to Eprath, the wise men have a star to guide them just in case, which means they go by night and not by day. How else does one see a star except by night? Again, this is the more risky option. Prowlers and predators and bandits come out at night, outlaws of of all kinds haunt the wasteland waiting for their prey. They too work best under cover of darkness. Having found the infant king, they perform this very important ritual, leaving him gifts of gold and incense and affirming him as one of them. They make their way back to the east, going off the beaten track, again taking a liminal path, a dangerous route on this nocturnal journey. Joseph soon follows. Now, After they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, "'Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, "'and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child.'" To destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt. Again, a night journey, retracing the path of his namesake, Joseph, youngest son of Jacob, seeking safe lodging in the land of the enemy. This time, they take the highway, even though Herod is in hot pursuit, going due west by way of Ascalon, probably, and along the coast. The way south, Through the desert, though safer, would have been too arduous for the young mother and child. When Herod dies and the family returns at the bidding of an angel, the night is over. But they stay in secret, making their way north to Nazareth, keeping a long way from Jerusalem, going to a place of no distinction. There in the shadow of Sepphoris, the imperial city of Western Galilee, Jesus lives his life for those hidden years. Sepphoris is where all the power and might in Galilee is, and Jesus never sets foot in the place. Segregation, separation, segregation, declaration. He is taken away, kept away, and then returns to declare his identity, to reveal the person he has become. Why? Because Jesus is a king, and there are many other kings, many kings but just one kingdom. He is king over all of them, And he will live his life as a threat, coming more and more into the open until he finally receives the recognition he deserves, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, inscribed on his cross. Back at Jerusalem, outside the city walls. A dangerous journey through a very, very unsafe environment. But we are not there yet in our story. Sometimes it seems that we see the story just as they did then, those rulers and governors and kings. The once and future king has come and gone, gone back into hiding. And as such, he is no king. He exercises no real authority. And the powers and principalities are having their day in his absence. And so they still do. Invoke his name, though they may. Like then, we live in an unstable, a volatile world. Their whole cycle of transgression and revenge is rumbling to life once again. The present silence is all the more unnerving, like the quiet in the skies after 9-11. We are waiting. None of the brokers of the major world powers have bent the knee to King Jesus at all. That's the one thing they all have in common. All have set their egos on the throne, holding even the church in their thrall. The gold and frankincense lie forgotten in the stable. King Jesus, indeed. Yet we, the church, are called to make our own night journey Seeking the king wherever he is to be found. In the poorest and meanest places on the planet, far from the centers of power, among the poor and the poor in spirit, the homeless and the helpless, the ones that life has broken or is about to break when all the placards waved in triumph have found their way to the dumpster in the cold gray light of dawn. Jesus, the King, the one King, the faithful one. This was God's eternal purpose, and he's accomplished it. In Christ Jesus, in King Jesus, our Lord, we have confidence and access to God in him in no one else, in him, in full assurance, through his faithfulness. It is through the faithfulness of Jesus that our salvation comes and our faith. Through Jesus' faithfulness, our faith grows too. Where is our faith then? When times get tough or when times are easy, because that's when they are the hardest. On the dollar bill, it says, in God we trust. But my guess is there's more trust in the Federal Reserve right now and what the wealth of this nation can buy from the military-industrial complex than there is in God. What will it take us to reinvest our trust in him, in him alone, to stop cozying up to those in power? Jesus never did. Cozy up to anyone in power and put our trust in Him, what He taught, what He did, and the way He did it. Jesus is Lord, the Messiah, the Christos, the Anointed One is King even now. And if the secret place that He has found to grow is in our hearts, then it is time to make him known that's all we need, that's sign enough, to proclaim him in the smallest deeds of a seemingly futile compassion, for the tiny mustard seed sow- sown in secret will grow unnoticed and obscured into the mightiest of plants, the tallest of trees. Amen.